Well, good morning, Fairdale. It is good to be with you guys back here with you this morning. Uh, so good to gather. You guys are a gift. I hope you know that. You're a gift. It does my heart so much good to just get to tag in on a weekend, to be among you, to be before you, and to get to dive into God's Word with you this morning. I'm excited about that. My name is Ben, and I've had the privilege, uh, just as Brandon said, of joining the Fairdale family a few times now when Brandon's gone. So here we are. <laughs> Looks like Brandon's gone. Again. I'm kidding. No, I am so excited that he's been able to have this time away, and I, I get lunch with him on Wednesday, so you, we're, we're all good. Okay, like I, I am so thankful and grateful that he allows me to come and be with you in a season like this. It just does my heart so much good. I'm thrilled to be back, and I'm eager, eagerly looking forward to this, but my wife and I, Crystal, we are so excited to be back here in a couple weeks, actually, for the Marriage on Mission workshop that's happening the evening of August 15th. And so I, we are, we're so excited about that. Together, Crystal and I, we lead a discipleship ministry called The Brave Way Home. And our hope and heart is to just call and equip fellow wayfarers, fellow believers to deeper living. We want to see eyes fixed on Jesus and hearts set on heaven. And so for us, one of the privileges that we get to do is serve marriages and families as they learn to live on mission together and create family culture and identity within their homes. Because when heavenly thinking invades earthly living, all kinds of beautiful things unfold. And so we're excited about that. If you want to learn more about it, I suppose it's probably still on the webpage. You can go to fairdalechristian.org or you can go to thebravewayhome.com. You can learn more about it. And we're hopeful to see many of you that Sunday night. But today, I look out and I see some familiar faces, and that just does my heart a whole bunch of good. Um, and some of you, you've already taken note of this, but you're looking at me right now, and I know what you're thinking. So let's just go ahead and address this, because um, some of you are excited about it. Some of you might even be disappointed about this. I got a haircut. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're like, amen. Um, just to be clear, it's not because you asked, okay? <laughs> uh, no, some of you are like, I've been emailing him weekly. No. Um, before we get too far into this, can we welcome real quickly all the folks that are joining us online into this space with us? Yeah. We hope that you guys know that we love you and we're thankful that you're with us. Uh, well, today we're starting a new series. Just as Brandon said, we, he's going to be back this next week to carry the conversation forward. But today, we're beginning a series on prayer. This idea of a prayer life and the way that we walk in prayer and how we can get to know God through our prayer life. And so in these next few weeks, we're going to be spending some time unpacking what prayer is, what prayer isn't, how valuable our prayer life is to be, and how integral it is meant to be for us when it comes to understanding the heart of God and the ways of God, and the love of God. But I also know this, when I say the word prayer, or prayer life, I suspect that means something to all of us here. Whether we grew up in church or not, it probably brings up some thoughts and some feelings and some opinions based on our experiences when it comes to prayer. Because for each of us, we come to the concept of prayer with different stories, and different experiences. And for some of us, we've seen how prayer has been essential in our lives. And for others of us, it's been nothing more than an afterthought. 
And for some of us, we're still learning how to even explore what it is and how to engage this idea of prayer. For some of us, it's something we grew up feeling expected to do it. While others of us, we maybe felt invited to do it. Maybe for some of us, we know to do it. We just don't know how to do it. Or maybe it's something that we want to grow in. We just don't know exactly where to start. Maybe you found yourself praying for things and they didn't happen. And you don't know what to do with that. Or maybe you found yourself praying for things and they did happen. And you forgot to know what to do with that. Maybe you've found yourself reading books or hearing sermons about how important prayer is and you've, you've heard others pray. But maybe it's not been something that you've actually spent time learning how to do yourself, how to develop a prayer life and why it matters. For some of us, we come to the idea of prayer with a heaviness in our hearts because we don't know if it matters. And so we approach this idea as something that it's like, does this change anything when we pray? For some of us, it's life-giving. And for some of us, it's felt maybe more like a formality because maybe it hasn't produced the results we thought it would or could or should. And because of all those different experiences, we've likely either got slightly different definitions of what prayer is or drastically different definitions of what prayer is. And when you start thinking about prayer and all the different times and places and ways that we have been taught to pray or modeled for us how to pray, I think for us it's easy to maybe see that there's ways for us to just discount it instead of develop it. And so I think prayer is such an important thing. I mean, was anyone ever taught growing up that when you pray, you just pray with your eyes closed? Anybody? Right? Do you know why? Huh? Praise? <laughs> Were any of you taught like, well, you'd better close your hands. Close your hands. Fold your hands. Right? Sometimes we're taught that. But do we know why? Sometimes. I know for me growing up, I just thought it was so that I wouldn't punch my brother while we were praying. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, sometimes, even now, I just won't pop that guy. You know what I mean? Nobody? Nobody has siblings that they're 20 months apart and they, they, that, that's what they do. You love them. And then there's times where you're just, yeah. Right? I'm the only one. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. It's about focusing our hearts. It's about removing those distractions, Right? It has more to do with surrender, but I'm telling you what, if I'm in Montana underneath the night sky or I'm on the top of a mountain, I'm praying with my arms wide open and my eyes wide open because I want to take all of it in. I also know this, in the last two years of my life, of where my family has walked, I've learned to, to pray with my hands open simply as a reminder to my own heart to hold everything loosely. To hold everything loosely and to be in a position to receive what God has for me. I love when, my, uh, when we're praying together as a family and my six-year-old daughter, she will announce at the end of a prayer, um, throwing her, her big brother under the bus. She'll just be like, Dad, Ezra wasn't, he didn't have his eyes closed when we were, when we were praying. And it's like, baby girl, you just threw yourself under the bus as well. Like, those are called confessions, right? You know, like, that's what's happening. Maybe your experience with prayer, maybe it's been based on just the times that we pray or the places that we pray, like mealtime prayer. And most of the time we're taught, like, you pray before every meal. We pray to, to thank God for providing or we pray for him to bless it, right? 
We don't exactly know what that means all the time. We just know we're supposed to do it. But let me ask you this. You praying over those double stuffed Oreos you're sneaking from the pantry in between meals? Probably not. <laughs> but you probably should, right? <laughs> right? Because those things, you need to be praying against those things, right? Or sometimes it's, it's bedtime prayer. I know from my family that is sacred space to us. But I know sometimes what happens is like you go to bed and you're like, I know I'm supposed to pray before I go to bed at night or before I go to fall asleep. And then what happens? You just trail off and you fall asleep and you wake up in the morning. And you're like, amen. Right. And then you're like, well, we justify it because we say things like, well, you know, I gave God my final thoughts before falling asleep. No, you just fell asleep on him. OK, that's what happens in our home. It is sacred space. We cherish bedtime. But I'm telling you, all kinds of crazy can happen when you pray with kiddos. Right. There's all kinds of beautiful things, but all kinds of crazy things. My son, Ezra. For the longest time, when he was younger, he would pray for rocket boots and the ability to fly. Right? Yeah. That's actually like, I'm still praying for that, you know? But he would also pray fervently, passionately for snow days. And then he learned that you have to make up snow days. So then he started praying for two-hour delays, okay, because you don't have to make those up. But I'm telling you, this kid would petition the Lord, okay, fervently, frequently in August, Okay, so he was prepared in season and out of season with that prayer. Maybe we're familiar with church prayers where we go and we gather like we are now and someone else is the one audibly speaking and we just know to be listening, but we aren't always the ones speaking the prayer out loud. Or we find ourselves in private prayer. We're going before God with certain things. Or maybe sometimes... It's the unspoken prayers. We find ourselves saying, I don't know what to pray about, or I don't know how to tell you what I need prayer for, but I know enough to know I need prayer. Sometimes it's maybe memorized prayers based on our heritage growing up. We found ourselves praying prayers that we have it completely memorized. We know it by heart, but our heart doesn't know what it means Sometimes it's those spontaneous prayers. Have you ever found yourself like, I'm just throwing half-baked ideas up in the air, just lifting it up to the big guy upstairs because I don't know what to do? Or you follow it with, you're circled up with your, with your friends in your life group maybe, and what happens is like it's the shot blocker, that kind of praying. You know, like when you're sitting in a circle with somebody and somebody just starts praying for a bunch of things and in everything in your heart is saying, Oh, God, please do not let them have that. None of us want them. Do not answer that prayer. And you start dikembe mutumboing all of those prayers. You're just like, when it comes your turn, you're not squeezing the hand to skip you. You're like, no, I'm going to pray against everything that they just said because I'm convinced that we should not be having that. Our crisis prayers, prayers when our hearts are hurting deeply or we're crying out to God, conversational prayers where you are talking with him and listening to him in parking lots and driving and walking and working because scripture says to pray about everything that's what philippians 4 says paul says don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he's done sometimes though we pray selfish prayers where we try to bargain with god and it's as if we're going to wear him down and we say god if you do this i'll do this and we find ourselves, this is just a short list, 
and maybe paints a picture of where we find ourselves, where we don't always know what to do with prayer. It's why it feels sometimes so fuzzy and we miss out on the power of it. And prayer in and of itself is a huge topic. Scripture has a ton to say about it. All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find expressions of prayer as worship. Prayer is worship. As we engage God and go before God to know him better and to enjoy his presence. But all throughout Scripture, we see patterns. We see all kinds of purpose. We see all kinds of posture when it comes to prayer. But all of it comes back to this truth. It's all pointing to the pursuit of knowing God more fully. So I want us to grab a hold of this truth that prayer is all about the pursuit of knowing God more fully. Knowing him more fully. There's a ton of different directions that we could take this topic and only grab a glimpse of the vastness that scripture has to say about prayer. But our hope for today, my hope, has being a topic that I'm incredibly excited about. It's something that I just want to help us have a better definition and to look at a passage that helps us have some practical heart postures in the way that we pray, in the way that we seek to know God and his heart more fully. So as we do that, I want to start here with this truth. God wants to be near us. He wants to be near us. He desires to be in relationship with us. He invites us to know him. I want that to be our lens together, that God desires relationship with you. And so prayer is all about the pursuit of knowing God more fully because he doesn't just want us to be in this relationship. He wants us to know how much he desires to be with us and he knows what's best for us. I believe that what we write, we remember. And so I just want to encourage you, if something we unpack today hits your heart today, Write it down, okay? Because God wants to do something with that. And it's because he wants a relationship with us, with you, because he loves you, because he knows what it means to be in relationship with him and that that is what is best for you. He's created you. He knows you best. He knows what you need. He knows what you don't need. And he knows the only way for him to reveal that to you is through right relationship with him through Jesus through his word, and through prayer. Romans 8, 38 and 39, when Paul is writing to the church, trying to help them understand God's pursuit of them, he says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, the present or the future, anything else, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear me. You will never find yourself so far from God that his love does not find you. God desires relationship with you. He's pursuing you, and he wants what's best for you, and he knows what's best for you is him. So, do we know that? Do we know that he wants our whole heart, not just bits and pieces of it? Do we know that he wants to transform our hearts? Because if we do, then we can have a lens for what prayer is and how powerful it is. Because the only way for that to happen is to be in right relationship with him through Jesus. Prayer is just one way that we connect with God. But I would be the guy that says it is absolutely pertinent. It is central 
to our relationship with God. Because when prayer is involved, power is involved. Because there is power in prayer. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus, right? It's central to our relationship with God. Prayer is this two-way conversation of listening and thanking and asking and confessing, adoring, connecting with God. In the name of Jesus, that's why we pray in the name of Jesus, because that's where the power comes from, because he's the one who has secured this access to the Father through his finished work on the cross. That's where the power comes from. If you're looking for a definition of prayer, this is what I want to set before us today. Prayer is communing with God. It's connecting with God conversing with God, communing, connecting, conversing with God. If you think of it this way, when we, when we think about meditating over God's word, what does that mean? It means, it means that we would go before God's word and we would allow it to do work. We would allow it to expose in us the things that don't belong. And so we let it sink into us. We meditate on God's word. But prayer, when prayer steps into that pathway, it is where change in our heart happens. Meditating on scripture has to do with us engaging what's even going on in our hearts. Prayer is about changing our hearts because prayer is where we begin to align our hearts to his. It's where we begin to align our hearts to love what he loves and love who he loves and desire what he desires and will what he wills. He calls us to trust him with the depths of us and to pray without ceasing, like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, because it reflects the communion with God. Prayer is not just us talking. It's us listening. It's not just us rattling off a to-do list of things that we would really like God to wrap up by the weekend. I think sometimes we, we get turned around in that, right? We take our stab at it and we try and knock out all the things that we think are on our list. And when we come to the place, we're like, I don't think I can handle that. Okay, God, filling it upstairs. You're going to have to be the one to figure this out because I can't take it from here. And we do that after we've tried to tackle it all ourselves. And when he doesn't do it, and he doesn't do it the way we thought he should or when he should, we tell ourselves, well, then what? I don't know what to do with you. And we distance ourselves. And so we end up asking for him to bless our efforts instead of looking for our efforts to bless him. Let me ask you this. Do you want what he wants? Do you want what he wants? Because sometimes I'm not so sure. So maybe another question is this. Do you want to want what he wants? If prayer is about aligning our hearts to his, we have to ask ourselves, do I want to want what he wants? Because let me tell you right now, prayer is not about getting what you want. It's about getting what he wants. And we've got to know the difference. Do you want to know? Do you want to want what he wants? Because prayer is that posture. Prayer is that pathway where we've been invited in to draw near to the heart of God, to know the heart of God more fully. So if prayer is all of those things, goodness, how remarkable 
of a gift that's been given to us to be invited in. This unique way to be with God, to talk and listen to God, to, to come and share our hearts with God, but to come and hear the heart of God shared with us. It's a way where we enjoy his presence and experience his nearness and receive his blessings and be changed into his likeness. And what happens, we soon start learning what pleases him. It begins to please us and it changes what we ask for. It changes what we ask for because he is aligning our hearts to his. I want us to grab this. Prayer puts us on mission with God. Prayer puts us on mission with God. And so we're going to just look at a passage in Colossians 2, or excuse me, Colossians 4. And uh, I don't know, I, maybe I just breathe too heavily or move too much. Uh, I'm going to try to, I don't know what I do here. <laughs> but you're probably like, Ben, you should have dealt with that earlier. Um, let's see if that helps. I don't know. All right. Well, Colossians 4. No, it didn't help. Um, Colossians 4. Uh, Word's going to be on the screen here in a second, but let me just say this. We're going to step into this with humble and expectant hearts because here's the deal. When we step into the story of Scripture, we know this, that God intends to do something in us and with us and through us in our time together in it. So we want to be hungry to hear what he has to say. Colossians 4. Here's what's happening. The apostle Paul is writing to a small church in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Okay, and he's helping them understand the supremacy of Christ, that that Jesus is above all things and the sufficiency of Christ, that all you need is found only in Jesus. And so he's helping them understand that that changes everything, that that gospel, it transforms us, that he transforms our hearts inwardly as we align to him, but it also therefore changes the way that we engage a world lost in darkness, a world living far from God, waiting to be transformed by the power of God, waiting for transformed people to come near. And so I think we can easily get super focused on how the gospel changes us, right? And that's good. How, how the gospel changes our family and our jobs and our marriages and our relationships and all of those things. And so we focus all of our prayers there and we forget that there is a whole world out there waiting, waiting for the transformation we are living to invade their life. I'm not saying that we don't pray for our families and our, and our marriages. Don't hear, don't leave being like, well, Ben said, I'm not supposed to pray for myself at all. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, don't forget that there's always a bigger picture and that God wants the people who are far from him to be brought near to him and to experience the saving grace of Jesus. And if prayer is about the pursuit of knowing the heart of God more fully, we can't help but pray for those far from him. Don't ever forget that the gospel is already the power of God and its intended aim is to reach the ends of the earth. So let me read these verses real quick. Chapter 4 of Colossians, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 
as I should. At first glance, we may see this as like a routine prayer request. We may see this as like, oh, that's just what you do. You just, when you get done hanging out with people, you just, you throw out some prayer requests. But this, this is not, this is not, this is so much more. This is, and here's why. These are young believers. This is a church that's only about five years old. They're taking their early steps in faith. They're learning how to pray, learning how to trust God, learning how to live lives in love with Jesus and how to align their hearts to that of God. And so Paul is trying to help them and lead them to maturity in their relationship with Christ. And they've been walking through all kinds of hard things, trying to stay the course and Paul, he's been running around planting churches. He's never met these people in person. And he began this letter to them by praying for them, for praying for them. And he draws it to a close. He's asking them to do the same for him. So what's really happening is he's asking them to pray. It's really to bind them together with mutual mission. Because if it's his job to make the mystery of the king clear, it's their job too. I mean, isn't that a powerful truth to remember? Isn't that a beautiful thing when you begin to pray for somebody that you've maybe even never met? Or what does God do? He bonds your heart to theirs. He helps you see that there's love and trust that can grow because there's something deeper going on. I know this, my family, we are convinced that God has sustained us through the powerful prayers of people that he has placed around us. I'm convinced of that. Paul is binding them together in prayer with mutual mission. Because if the gospel is going to reach the ends of the earth, it begins with prayer. I think we just fixed this. I don't know. It all starts with prayer. And we see in verse 2, he's giving us clarity. Devote yourselves. Be watchful and be thankful. Be watchful and be thankful. Devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and be thankful. And Jesus uses this same language. Don't move. I'm kidding. Huh. Jesus uses this language in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, watch and pray, watch and pray. So I'm going to give you this list. Number one, devoted. Be devoted. This is a rich word. This is athletic language. It is tied to all kinds of rich, rich words, like courageously persistent. It's painting the picture that you let go of everything else, but you hold fast to him. It paints the picture of an unceasing attentiveness that you are tuned in. You are constantly ready. You are fiercely, fervently, diligently committed. Good heavens, that is like beat your chest kind of devotion right there. These are persevering prayers. These are persistent prayers. We can't just pray when we feel like it or when crisis comes into our lives. We are invited to pray without ceasing because it is not just constant mumbling. It's constant communion. This is more, hear me, this is more about the longevity of your prayer life than the length of your prayers. 
This is more about the longevity of your prayer life than the length of your prayers. My family, Team Woods, we have a culture code, and some of you have heard me talk about it before, but one of those culture codes where we're just trying to disciple our children in the ways of Jesus, it's this truth right here. Make prayer your first instinct, not your last resort. Make prayer your first instinct, not your last resort. So much of the time we try to do everything ourselves. And then when we feel like we can't, we toss the rest to him. And he's saying, no, give me the whole thing. Make your first instinct prayer. We've been invited to know the heart of God. So get to the heart of God quickly. Because when we realize our utter dependence on God to do something that we cannot do ourselves, that's when we start praying devotedly. So come to terms with how desperately you need him now. When we become more and more aware of our limitedness and in awe of his limitlessness, we will pray persevering prayers. So here's a truth to grab a hold of. Make prayer as normal as breathing in your life. Make it as normal as breathing in your life. Pray with devotion. Number two, be watchful. So we move from athletic language to military language, this spiritual alertness, this tuned in with vigilance to all the things. You're awake and alert to what's going on around you, but it's in the context of knowing that there's a wartime reality. And that means this, we pray for God to move and pray for God to intervene. It means that we pray prayers that are to be focused and not scattered. We pray prayers with perspective, with eyes wide open to what is going on around us. So here's something to say about watchful prayers. Make them specific, not vague. It's not bad to pray for the world, right? But it's so much better to pray for real people in real places, walking through real things. Be specific, not vague. And the third, we're devoted, we're watchful, and number three, we're thankful. We're thankful. This is that sincere gratitude as if there's any other thing that counts as gratitude if it's not sincere. But there's an intensity with it. Because here's the thing, Paul in Colossians 2 has already told them that if you are rooted in right relationship with Jesus, if you are walking with him, the natural overflow of your life, if you are walking in communion and connection and conversation with God, the natural overflow of your life will be thankfulness. And I got to say this, I don't know all of your stories. I don't know what you're walking through. I, I can't stand here and tell you that I totally understand all of that. But I can tell you this. I'm familiar with dark places. And I'm familiar with deep pain. And circumstances totally, absolutely out of my control. But the truth of it is this. There is still always reason to be thankful. Always reason to be thankful. No matter the circumstances, the guy writing these words, he's writing from prison. He's writing them from prison, reminding them to be thankful in how we pray. So we're devoted, we're watchful, we're thankful. And number four, we are purposeful. Purposeful. 
verse 3 and 4, that's where he says, And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. He's saying be purposeful in your prayers. Pray for opportunity. Pray for obedience. Pray that God would open doors and he would give you the courage to walk through them when he does. Pray that God would open those doors and you would see them open and you would know how to clearly present Jesus to a world waiting to be transformed by the power living in you. He's literally asking them to pray that God would open the door that the world thinks they've shut. He's asking them. I mean, he's in prison. The wor- by the world's standard, that preacher life is over. But he keeps praying and he's inviting them to the door that they think that they've shut and they've bolted. He didn't ask them. He didn't ask that they would pray that, that, that God would open the prison doors. He asked that he would open ministry doors. Don't miss that. Because here's the deal. Paul knows that though his body is bound, the gospel is not. And that means ministry can happen. He's literally asking them to pray that God would help him do the very thing that got him arrested. Why? Why? Because he's aligned his heart to God's. Because he recognizes that there is a relationship between what God wants to do through us and what God has already done for us. There is a relationship between our call to share the gospel and God's ability to save. And it's tied together through prayer. It's all tied together through prayer. I mean, have you ever found yourself thinking of people in your life that it would be absolutely impossible for them to call Jesus Savior? And some of them you're like, I got a list of friends. And some of you are like, I got a list of enemies. (laughs) People that I think it would absolutely be impossible. It's going to take a miracle. It's going to take an act of God for them to know Jesus. He's going to have to make a way where there's no other way. Of course he is. Of course he is. Because that's what he did for you. It's always going to take an act of God. Always, because that's what he did for you. What's impossible for us is possible for God. He can do what we cannot. Do we pray prayers like that? Do we pray prayers like that? What what doors are you asking God to open? And are you asking him for the courage to walk through them when he does? How ready are you to walk where he's called you to walk? Is your prayer life marked by devotion, by watchfulness and thankfulness? Is it purposeful? The proclamation of the gospel is empowered by prayer. And that means this. Prayer is not the last thing you do. Prayer is the first thing you do. Prayer is not the least thing you can do. Prayer is the most thing that you can do. Do not discount the power of prayer. Develop the power of prayer in the name of Jesus. The more we are rooted in the right dirt, the more 
his priorities and his plans will become our plans. And that plan is for his good news that has already reached you to reach people far from him. Prayer is all about the pursuit of knowing God more fully. Communing with him, connecting with him, and conversing with him. It's where we begin to align our hearts to him, to his. Where we love what he loves and who he loves. And we find ourselves with cards in our seats. And you're like, it might be pretty straightforward. It says prayer on the front and there's lines on the back. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. God will hear your prayers. And you are sitting among people who want to pray for you and pray with you. And so if at some point you're going to walk out of here and you're going to see uh, some, a place, a, a prayer wall of sorts over on that side of the lobby with an invitation to write down ways that we can pray for you. And for you, you may find yourself like, Don't, this is not enough lines for what I need prayer for. Okay? And for some of you, you're like, I'm going to sum it up with just a few words. Either way, wherever you land, know this. You have people wanting and willing to walk with you in prayer because that is the mission, the mutual mission we've been invited into to pursue the heart of God fully together. We've been bound together in mutual mission through prayer. So take some time today, and maybe you're like, I'm bringing it back next week. I'm going to take it home with them. I'm going to write it out on here. Write it out and share it on the wall and allow people, the prayer team, the staff, this church family to pray with you and for you. That's what I want to do over us now. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of gathering. Help our hearts not take it lightly at all. That we get to come in this space as people who love you and people loved by you. And sing you songs. And listen to your word. And talk to you now. God, you've given us a way where at any point there are countless people on planet earth crying out to you speaking to you. Some of them are cursing you. Some of them are singing you songs right now. But all of us need you. And somehow, some way, you turn your ear to us as if we are the only ones speaking to you. Would you hear our prayers? And would you align our hearts to yours? Help us to know all that you will let us know about you. Father, we love you, and we trust you, and we thank you, and we need you. May we live in light of that truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. So thankful that you've been with us today. On your way out, be sure to put some things on that prayer wall. We'll see you soon.